not kind of. I grew up in church, and uh, kind of uh, now that I'm uh, almost 32, I've heard a lot of, uh, kind of seen a lot of the trends that go around with, uh, I don't know, things that I think Christians are like afraid of, maybe. Um, I've, I remember when there was a big, you know, divide about the charismatic movement, you know, and a lot of uh, Baptist types really were afraid of the charismatic movement. And I was, you know, that was before my time a little bit, but I uh, kind of live in the post-charismatic, you know, debate era, I guess. So I've heard a lot about it. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was kind of a big big thing at the time and when I was a kid I remember um cults that was like the big the big thing to be afraid of a lot of sermons about cults and how um you know uh there were like wicca witches living in your neighborhood probably and they were trying to like steal your kids and stuff like that and um how that was a, a huge threat you know were cults and um Came through like the the new age deal. The new that was the big threat was uh, the new age movement. And um, anytime you saw a crystal, you know it meant Satan was present or something. And uh, you're trying to channel your inner light and like Abraham Lincoln or something. And it was just that was the that was like the big thing was the new age movement is the biggest threat to Christianity. You know, and um, it seems like in the last couple of years it's kind of become. Uh, other world religions, you know, that, uh, you know, the Muslims are here to take over the planet, you know, or um, you hear a lot, you know, oh, Buddhism is on the rise, you know, stuff like that. And there's lots of things over the years, I guess, that um, kind of been pitched out there as the, the big threat to Christianity. And from where I see it, like, you're not going to be a threat to Christianity, you know. I mean, Christ is not threatened by anything or any movement or any, you know, crystals or Wicca witches or, you know, any, whatever. It's that's kind of looking at it kind of the wrong way. Um, but I, I mean, I do I do believe that there are some some things we have to be aware of that are out there, you know, and the. Kind of a, a place I've, where I found myself as the the pastor guy is that like, I'm kind of always in like assessment mode, you know, and always kind of like, evaluating where things are, you know, with the ring and and where we're going, and um, you know, what do we need to be teaching about? What do we need to be reinforcing? What are you know things? You know, all, you're just kind of always in that mode, and um, as a part of that, like being the like the shepherd uh, according to scripture, there is. I can understand why I've heard so many sermons from preachers about those things, you know, because because you see something out there and you see it as a threat and you like you your job is to is a, a part of that is to protect, you know. And so I find myself kind of in protection mode, so, you know, a lot. And um, so it's kind of weird that that I would, you know, see all those things I listed and I'm like, there's not a threat, you know, like you can't threaten christ you know it's just not going to happen christianity is going to survive we 
we know if you believe scripture, we know how it ends. Okay, it's not always going to be pretty, but we know like he wins, we win. You know, it's it's going to be fine. Um, but what I th- I think is it's not so much what threatens Christianity's survival. I think there's something that exists in America that we have to be aware of that is um, something for us to always fight against as Americans, especially. Um, and so it may not like pose like this. We don't have like this bad guy, you know, like, um, a, you know, we don't have a, a crystal. That's like the bad thing we have to be aware of. Um, I think there's something much more subtle and much more damaging because what it does is it it takes this this life of discipleship and um, following Christ and being transformed into His image and God being glorified on the earth through through our transformation. It takes all this and it, it waters it down and it softens all of that. So it's not really a threat to the survival of Christianity in America, I don't think, but it is a threat as far as as the like the true essence. Like, are we really like living the kind of lives that Christ died for us to live? And and here here's what what I think it is. Um, for a couple of months, I've been just like praying, you know, and God show me, you know, give me some insight, give me some whatever, and I've been doing a lot of reading. And a lot of surfing the, the the internet and looking for books and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot being written about this right now. Um, it's not necessarily new. Um, I think the thing that we have to be on guard about is our own like our own lens through which we look at life, because as Americans we are programmed to be consumers. From the time we were born in the United States. We like we are subjected to just constant programming and, and wiring and when whatever you want to look at it to be a consuming nation. All right. If you notice tonight when you drive home wherever you live, um, if you just ride down Segan, okay, you see restaurants, consumers. All right. You see car dealerships. You see big stores. You see little stores. Um, if you get on the interstate, you're going to drive and you're going to see subdivisions that are, are going up. You're going to see a, a giant mall that's just getting more giant, you know, all the time. Um, there's just advertisements everywhere. I mean, there's everywhere we look in America, it's all about being a consumer. And there are businesses who, like, who make mega bucks off of that. There are nations around the, you know, around the globe who, um, who have jobs because we as Americans consume so much. You know, um, there are also nations where there's great injustice because we consume so much. Um, it's all around us. It's how we're programmed. It's all the message that we're we're sending is um, the customer is number one, and whatever you want. You should be able to get, you know, you have a right to get that at uh, at a low cost, as convenient as possible to you. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. I mean, that's like just constantly coming at us. And so what, like what is dangerous about that is that very easily that can become like like the lens through which we view all of life, you know. 
as a consumer. That's how we decide what, uh, you know, what we're going to eat and what we're going to drive and what we're going to wear and what we're going to do on the, the weekends. And like, there's so much of our thought pattern and how we make decisions and how we interact that basically is because we look at life as a consumer. And that's probably not necessarily like the biggest, dangerous, most, you know, horrible thing ever at, at that level, you know. Here's the thing. When we look through that lens and we start looking at our faith as a consumer, we have a problem because the way of Christ is the opposite of the way of a consumer, you know. Everything that we're being programmed as far that in that way where we are our buyers, where we are the customer, all that stuff, when you look at the life of Christ, it's the opposite of that. And so we have a problem. And maybe if you don't have a problem, there's a risk of it becoming a problem for you. Because just by nature, just by living where, where we live, that's, that's kind of a part of it. Um, what happens when we start looking through that lens at our faith is we begin to, to kind of water some things down. And we begin to, like, kind of get the exacto knife and cut out parts of Scripture in our mind that, you know, whatever. And there's some teachings in the Bible that we really love, and there's some that we just aren't that crazy about, you know. And in essence, what we do when we look at Christianity through the lens of being a consumer, we end up with Christianity without Jesus in it at all. It stops being Christianity when we allow that to be our lens. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to kind of look at a couple of different aspects of what life for a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ in America is, is supposed to look like and maybe kind of what it actually looks like. So we're going to talk about how to recognize it, basically, and then what do we do about it in response. Now, I would I would ask that everybody that's a that is a part of this church, okay? You may not be a member, but you may I mean you may that's not the most important thing. If you're a part of this church and you are like I'm there every Sunday night, you know, if you're in a community group, if you're you know a, a member, not a member, whatever. If you consider this to be your church, I'm gonna ask you to be here for the next couple of weeks, okay? Um. Let's just not let things get in the way, all right? I'm asking you to be here because I feel like God is, is shaping us for what is ahead. And I know that he's shaping us for what is ahead. So I'm going to ask you to be here. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at tonight... Is an aspect of consumerism that we are uh, big fans of. And that is the fact that we want something at a low cost, right? Remember growing up, my uh, my mom was a coupon cutter. 
And, uh, I mean, she's been, like, she just scoured through the newspaper and every, like, all the things that I just tossed aside, man, those were just gold to her, you know. She'd go through them, and she had, like, this, like, expandable, like, coupon thing, and you have, like, sections for each different kind of, you know, whatever it was. And some of y'all are laughing because you have that. Um, and that's fine if you do. I think that's great. I think coupons are great. Um, as a guy, like, I'm just not going to take the time to do that. I think it's great if you do. But I just remember growing up, and, like, my mom would roll through there, and w- the coupon determined what we were going to get, you know. She had a coupon for it. It would be like 10 cents off. It's like 10 cents. It's a dime, you know. But it did not matter. And at the end, you know, they'd uh, they'd r- ring you up, and it has, like, how much you saved, you know. It was like 623 We want stuff at a low cost. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I mean, it's it's wise, okay. Being wise with your money all right, is shopping around before you make, you know, a purchase or, you know, whatever. Like there's there's wisdom with, with the low cost deal, okay. Um, so I'm not saying that you shouldn't cut coupons or shop around, whatever. Put all that stuff to the side, all right. Here's the thing, though. As consumers, here's here's what we want. We want low cost in in every possible way that something could cost us. All right. So we want something that doesn't cost a lot of money. All right. The lowest price, sure. Um, we also want low cost in the area of time. Right. I mean, like, we don't want to spend forever at Best Buy. Do we? I mean, well, okay. Some people do, but. Generally speaking, once you know what you want and you found the lowest price, then you want to get it as quickly as you can with as little hassle as possible, right? Um, you, when you go to Cane's, like I, like Cane's is great, and Cane's is, you know, like they're they're great at fast food. But don't you find that at Cane's you get way more irritated when they're slow because they're Cane's, you know? Like they've set a standard, and when they don't maintain it, you're like, ah. Oh. I'm calling the manager. I went to high school with him. You know, I'm going to call him. Uh, you know, or it just it gets you irritated because, um, like, fast food should be fast, right? Um, I remember when Target first opened down here, and everybody was all like, ooh, you know, the carts are all, like, the wheels all work, you know, and it's so clean and everything. You know what my favorite part about Target was? That they had this, like, person who just, like, hung out between the merchandise and the cat and the, like, cashier area and just floated around and whenever some of the lines got too long they would some somehow open up a new one and like sir would you like i just open this up for you and you're like yes i love you thank you that was the best part because you knew all you had to do is just start looking a little bit impatient you know and like person in the red shirt is going to come open up a lane for you. we want stuff we don't want them to require a lot of our time um we also don't want it to cost us anything uh, relationally unless unless we choose for that to happen, right? Like, I find myself, now I, I'm very much an introvert, okay? But uh, it really kind of bothers me when I feel like um, like the waiter or the waitress or the cashier or the, or the person at Best Buy or just wherever, anywhere place you're out, like cons- buying a product, when you feel like they're like trying to get to know you a little bit, I feel like that should be my decision, you know. I'm going to let you in if I want to, all right? Don't ask me how my day is. Don't, you know, like, 
you're ringing me up at Walmart, don't guess what I'm trying to cook, you know? Oh, man, it drives me crazy. Somebody's making red beans. It's like, yes, they're red beans, and there's sausage, and there's rice. You know? Nope, spaghetti. I fooled you. Um, we don't want that investment, you know, relationally, unless we, like, choose, unless you're in one of those moods. You're like, so how are you today? You look tired. Have you been working long hours? You know, whatever. We want to be in control, right? We just we don't we we want low cost in every possible way money time uh, relational stuff just whatever we want it to be just low commitment all right and here's the thing if that's the way we look at life we have a serious problem when it comes to us approaching following Jesus with that mindset. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, a theologian, German guy, awesome, just amazing stuff. He talks about how uh, the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. And he looked around and he saw these pastors who were watering down the gospel, you know. They were softening everything because that's what the consumers wanted, you know. So they're preaching a whole lot about you know, the forgiveness of sin and not preaching a whole lot about the transformation of the life of the sinner, you know? It was a lot of, like, your sins are forgiven, everything's fine, heaven is a guarantee, like, come on to church. And nothing about discipleship, nothing about uh, suffering, nothing about being refined in fire, you know, nothing about uh, uh, about any of those, like, more negative quote-unquote, things that the consumers don't like. He saw these pastors and, and these other Christians basically just lowering the cost and cheapening the grace of God. And he said, you know what? This is wrong. We ain't having it. And he basically, I mean, he died because he tried to kill Hitler. But a part of that whole of his whole mindset of just revolting against the... That basically it was consumerism. That's what led to his persecution and all this kind of stuff. Cheap grace. As churches, we cannot give in to that. As individuals, we cannot accept whatever sort of cultural Christianity has been established in the United States now. We we can't. Like we can't. And the thing is, like, it's real easy to spot it in other people, you know. It's easy to spot it in, and it's like easy for me to hear another pastor preach and be like, that dude's watering it down. Cheap grace. He preaches cheap grace. It's easy for me to look at somebody else's life and be like, man, that guy, that girl, they are just, they're looking at their walk with God as a consumer, man. That's wrong. It's real different when it comes to, like, how I you know, see it in my own life. How do I pick up on it in my own life? Here's the thing. Do you ever see some of those same characteristics in the way you approach God? That may be low cost when it comes to money. Maybe that's not an issue for you. The reality is, like, a lot of us struggle with giving. You struggle with writing that check. You know, 
struggle with putting it in the bowl back there and having no control over where it goes. We struggle with looking at our budgets. And because we're living like so like borderline, like uh, maybe I'm not really living within my means because we live check to check like that because we're so over-invested. It's hard to see any room in there for giving to the church, you know, or helping send people to the Passion Conference or the Mexico trip or when the kids go to camp, you know, or when we say, hey, we're, we're doing uh, this offering for um, World Vision to send money to go feed uh, people in other countries. Like, I have, no, I have no room for that, you know. But maybe the low cost in our relationship with God, too. Maybe we, we don't like the, the time requirements, you know. I give, I give Sunday. I'm, I'm even in a community group. That's like five hours of my week. Jesus is probably like, that's good. I'm, 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 I, that's great. What about the time just in prayer with just you and me, you know? What about the time to sit down and to, uh, to talk with your kids about the things that really matter in life, you know? What about the time that it takes to pray with your spouse? What about the time that it takes um, to, uh, to sit down and to have coffee with somebody, somebody who's, who's, who's having a difficult time? What about the time it takes to sign up to go to Debbie's house to sit with her with the kids while she goes to work at one in the morning, you know? What about the time that it, it, it takes um, to, to pour into somebody else or to let someone else pour into you? I mean, what about, what about those things? What about the time spent in God's word? You know, I mean, we, we, let's, let's face it, we like low cost when it comes to that. Because our time is so, you know, precious and valuable and whatever. And I'm in that boat. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm, 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 in, I'm in the boat with whoever else is with me on that and with the money thing. And the relational thing, too. I mean, it's, we want low cost there, right? We want relationships that are going to be very, very um, good for us, but not necessarily cost us anything we aren't willing to pay, right? Not going to cost us anything um, like time or like effort or whatever, unless there's a benefit to us somehow in there. What benefit is, is it to me to go help somebody move? None. So there are a lot of things connected to following Christ, time with him, time in his word, time with one another, time with uh, going deeper relationally with our friends and our family, stuff like that. I mean, all these things that come and, and seem to be right in line with what it means to follow Christ, we like that, that low cost. So what do, we, what, what do we do about it? All right, here's the thing. Um, The way that we fight it is we fight it through Christ. We overcome consumerism and that consumer mindset, and we, we stop looking at our relationship with him through that lens by letting Christ interpret what our lives are supposed to look like. So we don't let Rick Warren or Joel Osteen or Oprah or me 
determine what a life of following Christ is supposed to look like. We let Christ determine that. So let's look at what he says. Luke chapter 9. That's a long introduction, wasn't it? Man, I got eight points tonight, too. We're going to be here forever. Just kidding, I don't. Verse 23. talking with his disciples these are the guys who are with him all the time watching his every move imitating him verse 23 then he said to them all if anyone would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me will save it what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. All right, look back at verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To be a disciple of Jesus, these are the, these are the elements that he calls us to. anybody wants to be my disciple must deny himself okay and let's think about think about what that means for a second to deny yourself all right in one sense we're talking about cutting all ties with life before christ all right no loose ends, no carryover from the way that we used to think or feel or approach life. We're talking a, a complete denial of that. No attachments to the way that the rest of the world thinks and lives and makes decisions and whatever. Okay, So the denial of self is the denial of consumerism. We've, basically, we're saying, we're saying no to ourselves, to what that selfish, self-centered, you know, old self would have chosen. We say no to the things that um, are our will. The ultimate question is, what is, what is the will of God? But the question for a consumer is, what is the will of me? So Jesus looks his disciples in the eye and he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to say, what is the will of me? Denied. <laughs> it does not matter. I'm cutting ties from that way of thinking of what's going to make me happy. What do I want to do? What is the, in the best interest of me? What is the best interest of my career? What is the best interest of my bank account? What is the best interest of, you know, whatever? Um, it's, it's no longer about us. So this denial of self is crucial to following Christ. And there we see the fundamental problem of why consumers cannot be disciples of Christ. We cannot have that consumer mindset about following Jesus. We end up basically following something else. It's morphed into this whole other thing. 
We just take Christ out of it. Whenever you take Christ out of it, whatever's left, that's what that's what we end up with. And see, there's something in us that rebels against that thought. You know, because that's one of those we don't like that part of that verse, do we? No. We like you know stuff like. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We like that kind of stuff. We like the stories where Jesus heals people and forgives their their sins and says, go and leave this life of sin. We, we like that. Jesus says, if, if you want to be like me, you got to deny yourself. There comes this point where we where we consciously say, my life is not mine. My future is not mine. The details of my life are not mine. So you take take my marriage, take my money, take my possessions, take my health, take just my safety, take my career, take whatever take it all because not about me i'm denying self i heard this line in this song and it says he's talking about the the humble realization that his life is not a story about him i like that people are like what's your story tell us about your story the whole thing is you know my story is not about me at all which is weird We want to be a disciple of Christ, deny ourselves. The second thing, must take up his cross daily. Talk about the like literally, like what you know, what we've seen in in movies, what we read in scripture about Jesus carrying the crossbar of the cross. This is what criminals did. Um, you know, they had the like the post that was waiting for them there, but they had to carry the crossbar um, from where they were tortured to where they would crucify him. And traditionally, the whole way, I mean, these were the most vile criminals, all right? And, I mean, this is where, this is, you know, in our, you know, today, it would be like the the child molesters and the rapists and Derek Todley and people like that would come along. And I'm pretty sure that if that dude was marched to his sentence and we got to line up on the streets and pummel him with lettuce, we probably would do that, you know? That's kind of what, how, the, how they approached it was like these are the, the worst people in our society, and they're about to be killed, and we're glad. They're getting what they deserve. And so when Jesus says that about like carrying your cross, they knew exactly what that meant culturally. It's like, man, I'm supposed to put myself on a path where people mock me and Scorn me and re- reject me and throw things and hurl insults at me. What Jesus is saying is like, yeah, because that's the path that I'm on. If you want to come after me, you want to follow me, you want to walk in my footsteps, then that means you put yourself in the, the path of suffering and rejection. Now, that's a happy verse. Like, why don't we teach that one more, right? And here's the, the, what's, what's so crazy is that being a Christian in America costs us such little, you know. 
I don't know if that's a well-formed sentence or not. So little. The cost is very low. Jesus is saying, no, like, you have to put yourself in that place, you know? It's a position of the heart where we approach each day, okay, God, what I'm denying self today and i'm walking in your ways and your footsteps in the way that you would have approached my day today so whatever comes along like i'm gonna i'm i'm obeying you i'm i'm good if that means that my co-workers make fun of me today then i'm i'll take the hits you know that means i get made fun of okay fine that means that I have to stand up and defend somebody today. If I have to go in and some inappropriate jokes are being made and I have to shut it down, I'm going to do that, you know? If I, if I have to turn down um, something that I, you know, I want to do, if I have to turn the TV off because I need to spend time in the Word and in prayer, I'm going to do that. You're basically saying from the most like like horrendous martyrdom possible all the way to the little like petty silly like uh you know snubs that we get from friends, you know, which is oh such persecution, you know, but for some reason we're scared of it. Um and, and the the full spectrum of whatever it's going to cost me today, I'm I'm picking the cross up and I'm denying myself and I'm doing what you would do today. That whatever you do on a daily basis, wherever you work, you go to school, you go home, whatever, like I'm going to do this in the way that Christ would today. And there's really nothing that it may cost me that's going to like cause me to, to look back or to quit. Denying ourselves and taking up our cross every single day and following him. And when it says follow him, I mean, that's that's what discipleship was about. And these disciples who went around with him all the time, it wasn't like, they weren't like trying to get something good on their resume. It was about spending time with the rabbi and becoming like him in every way, imitating him down to the, like the smallest detail possible. Um, listening to hang on on every word and, and asking questions. And I mean, being right there, like as close as they possibly could to him all the time because they wanted their lives to look just like his. And see the formation of Christ in us. Like we, we've got to pursue that with all that we have. Like that's got to be like this treasure that we hold on to and that we defend against anything that's going to come against us. And Jesus says, a life of self-denial and willingness to pay any cost, like that's what it's going to take if you want to follow me. The saying of the day was, a servant is not higher than his master. What Jesus is saying is like, this is what my life is going to look like. You follow behind me. And so that's where 
That's where we find ourselves. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There are no shortcuts. It costs us a lot. The expectations are very high. The time that it requires is very high. We can cheapen the grace where it's just like, oh, yeah, everything's good. Heaven's a lock. I'm forgiven. I'm just going to live like whatever and just do my own thing and do what makes me happy and this and this and this. And what happens is we are no longer following Christ. To truly follow Christ will cost you dearly. And so I'm I'm walking through this, and it's just it's just kicking me all over the place because I you know I'm like oh man that's that's tough it's just it's tough. And so I'm trying to think all right now so how do I wrap up this message? And it's funny because every single thing I like like everywhere I kind of went like I could do this or I could do this. It just felt like like a sales pitch, you know. Which is ironic. We're talking about consumerism. I was like, you know, so do I con- like explain like why he's worth it? You know, it's like this is why you should buy these knives because <laughs> it can cut through, you know, a penny. Here's the, the here's the thing about Jesus. He didn't spend a lot of time trying to convince his disciples of anything. He told them the truth, and they took it or left it. When he preached, he was not convincing, you know. He just said, this is the truth. So what do you do? What do you do if you're in a place where you're like, wow, I think this low-cost consumer thing kind of, I buy into that. Let me just close with this. This next slide Something we talked about before. Um, first of all, that's Grandmaster Flash. You may not know who he is. It's okay. Um, it's just the only picture I had. This is weird. The only picture I had on my computer of just like one person. <laughs> it's a long story. We live in this in this overlap, right? There's the there's uh, the spirit, there's the flesh, and it seems based on what God teaches in his word that that life in Christ, we, we live in this overlap between those two things. And we talk about this a lot here at the ring, that, that life in that overlap is like, uh, it's like God's classroom, okay? And it's where over time we learn to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. And over time, as that Christ in us is, is formed and, and, we, and our lives are shaped and molded into him and we follow him, we're being discipled by him and just and that we're transformed into living his life, um, our flesh wins a whole lot less and our spirit wins a whole lot more, okay? So if, if, if you're like me and Grandmaster Flash, you're in the middle, you're not sure what to do. 
You feel like, yeah, that low cost thing. I, I've kind of done that. I'm kind of that's kind of me. My lens is a lens of consumerism. I want my lens to be the lens of Jesus. I want to look at all of life through Jesus. Here's the thing. You take Luke 9:23 and you do what it says. It's the only thing I know to tell you. It's the only thing I know to tell myself. It's the only thing that Jesus really tells them. You want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. We have to trust that by doing what he said, and we take that and we pray that, and you get up tomorrow or you, tonight before you go to bed or before you leave this place, and you say, God, I'm, I want to know what it's like to deny myself every day, to take up my cross every day, and to follow you every single day. I want to know what that's like. We've got to trust that those words that are in red, that he is going to back them up and that that change, that transformation will happen in our lives. There's no formula. There's no shortcut. There's there's nothing that anybody that's a consumer is going to like. It's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you a lot of time. It's going to be hard work, and it might hurt sometimes. However, don't you just love Jesus? You know, don't you just love what he's done and who he is and, and, and the things that he's done for us and like what eternal life is all about and the fact that Christ is in us and is with us all the time. Like don't, isn't that like, isn't that just amazing? When, I, when, when you look at who he is and what he's done, I'm like, I'll deny myself. That's easy. Why would I want to control my own life when he can control it? You know? So in view of God's mercy and who he is, pray Luke 9.23 and trust him to make that happen. And life in that overlap, you're going to start to see that spirit went out a whole lot more and more and more and more. So that's all I really know what to say. So let's pray. We're going to, well, let's pray. <laughs>